Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the -the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. Yes, welcome to this week's discussion. I've got two incredible individuals and friends, which always makes it that much more special and fun to have this discussion. Today is about expressing yourself when it's the right time, when it's maybe not the right time. What does that mean to express yourself? Uh, and how do you know what to say? What's, are there skills involved? Are there values or core beliefs that we should have in place when expressing ourselves. So let's get into it. I want to introduce our guest today. That's Sam Silverstein. Uh, Sam is the accountability guy. And when you hear accountability, I don't want you to just think of the word accountability because accountability shows up and Sam can speak to this in leadership, in organizational success and achievement. All of it depends on accountability. So Sam is the accountability expert. And also with us today is Todd Adams. You may know him if you're a podcast listener because he has thousands of people listening to him every week, him and his wife, Kathy, on Zen Parenting Radio, uh, doing incredible work. So thank you both for joining me here today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Thanks. Absolutely. Let's dive right into it. Let's dive into expressing yourself and what that means because there's a lot of different layers to this. Some is just to feel safe and free enough to be able to express yourself in whatever means you want, whether that's in your own office alone to allow yourself to sing when you don't like to sing, but maybe other times it's being able to be yourself in front of your family. Maybe it's being able to be yourself in the workplace, or maybe it's, do I say that thing to that person or not say that thing to that person? What does it mean to each of you when you think of expressing yourself? Uh, Sam, I'll start with you. What, when you hear express yourself, what do you think of? Well, you know, as I was thinking about this conversation today, what what I was focused on and what came to mind for me is 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 speaking up when someone says something that's just not right, and um, it that goes against my values, that goes against um, the right way of of living life, and and um, it's at that moment I think that expressing yourself is 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 critical if someone puts someone down if someone uh it's just so often we run into situations i found myself in conversations where people say things that are just aren't true and they're not right and in years past i've let that slide by but i've gotten to the point now where with with my focus on accountability and how to live an accountable life and build an accountable organization i of all people can't let that pass and so when when someone speaks out and says something that goes against a philosophy that I teach and that I know that, that makes a difference, then I speak up. Don't care who they are. Don't care where it is. Um, I speak up. I'm, I'm careful how I approach it, but I open my mouth. And I love that you went there right away because that is what today's episode is really based on. When it's difficult to, how do you express yourself? And that can be difficult. Todd, you were about to jump in there. 
Um, yeah, it's I like what you said, Sam. It's not necessarily the what or the when. It's really the how. And I'll tell you a quick story. I was with some friends about a month ago, and there was a topic that we were kind of debating about, and it was regarding you know all that's going on uh, these days in the news with the hashtag Me Too and sexual assault and sexual harassment. And I got triggered and offended by one of my friends who uh, was saying things that I quite honestly took exception with. And um, it, I agree with you. And this is actually something I'm struggling with, Sam. Um, I, I kind of got triggered and I basically put him on the defensive and made him feel like, you know, crap. And it didn't leave any room to have a discussion to kind of further, uh, to better understand oneself. So that's something I'm personally working on because I used to be the guy that exactly what you just said, which is keep quiet, just let everything fall down my back. And I've kind of gone 180 degrees, and now I find myself kind of sometimes grandstanding and, and judging and, and not wanting to kind of be empathic to the other's view. So um, I skipped a step. I went from not saying anything at all and, like, regretting it for the rest of the day to being very judgmental. And I think that there's a soft spot in between where we do have to meet somebody with civility and compassion, and, and that's, that's an ongoing work for me. Well, Todd, I think you bring up something really important. I don't think you skipped a step. I think you took the natural next step. I think the empathetic one is farther down the line. Yeah, you're probably right. I think most people need to be able to do that to to at least get started, right? So somebody says something that triggers me, I'm just not going to say anything. Step number two is somebody says something to me, I'm going to fight back. <laughs> like That tends to be one or the other. S- step number three, which is when we, when we have to really pause and say, what, is this gonna, what impact is this going to have? That's when we recognize, because we learned from step number two, that didn't work. Okay, what's step number three? That's, is that the route for empathy and being able to understand? So I don't think you skipped one. I think we all do what you just described. I think yeah, our, right. our natural reaction is to fight when we do express when we've been especially when we've held it back for so long and so it's bottled up inside and now i'm going to express for the first time and it's like it's just coming out because it's been bottled up for so long well and on a deep on a deeper level um i would also be lying if i didn't say whatever it was that my friend said that triggered me that i need to own that there's probably a piece of me in what it is that he said and i'm projecting uh, you know, some of my own shortcomings onto him. And I'm not owning, you know, Sam talks about accountability. I'm not owning that there's a part of me and what he just said that triggered me. And that's some deep self-work that I'm still kind of navigating through. You know, it's interesting because I've, <laughs> the more the more I get into this, the more I look back and realize I've been in situations where this has popped up over and over and over and over again. Uh, there's about four or five couples that we go out maybe once a quarter. And um, one of the gentlemen uh, in this group, if you will, um, he says stuff that's just not right. And in the past, most of the guys will just kind of laugh it off or let it go. Um and but it's not right. And so he might make a comment about his daughter and he'll say, you know, she's looking at these two jobs coming out of law school. One's with a firm, one's with a, a company. Uh, you know, if she goes with the company, then it can be a nine to five and she can get home and be with the kids and blah, blah, blah. And and that might sound just benign on the surface, but in the setting and the context and the way it was said, it was like, wait a second, you know, so as a woman in the way he said it, as a woman, you should be home at five, but as a guy, you could work late. Mm. And so 
I, I can't sit there and let that thinking go on because how you think is going to direct how you act. And I said, wait a second. Are you telling me that a woman has to be home at five o'clock to be with the kids? Is it's not okay for a woman to be late? Maybe the husband, maybe her husband is the uh, primary caregiver for those children, and maybe he's home at five o'clock or whatever time someone needs to get home. And so here was a here was a person that was saying something, and in that moment, believe me, it wasn't it wasn't said very well. Um, you you can either laugh it off, oh well, you know, don't want to don't want to mess with a relationship, or you can stand up for what you really believe in, and and and. And let the other people in the room also know that you're just not going to allow that in your space. And that's kind of where I've gone these days. And so in that moment, I mean, that's a great example because right there, uh, which, which I love about this, Sam, because we're all can be aware of this, uh, myself included. I know some people listening right there that say, well, Sam, you might have fell into it without even being intentional. And that's what I love about this conversation. We all do this. It's a matter of whether we catch it. Now, some might be thinking, Mike, what are you talking about? Well, you said to get back home to her husband. So a lot of people listening are going, well, now that might be a specific case. So there was a husband, but a lot of people might be saying, well, maybe just to get home, maybe to get home to a partner who isn't a man. Uh, and so it can mean a lot. People can hear something and make assumptions or biases based off of it. And that's what we have to ask ourselves. How am I presenting this? Uh, so that I can have the most impact. Now, I want to be fair and that sometimes we're just going to say things and we need to. We're not always going to be calm. And if we think I'm only going to say things when I say them calm and perfectly, then we're not actually expressing ourselves. We're going to hold back probably way too much. Yeah. Well, in that situation, you know, the facts were there was a husband. It was a man-woman situation. And I'm, you know, I'm just dealing with the facts of the situation. I was sitting across the dinner table from from a gentleman who's pretty high up in the strategic air command. And he was back when this Eric Snowden stuff was all going on and he'd gone to Russia and leaked all this information. And he said, I don't know how this guy got access to this information in the first place. He's a junior college dropout. Well, you know, I sat there and let that pass. And I've since wished that I hadn't because guess what? Um, Bill Gates dropped out of college. My father didn't go to college. My father-in-law didn't go to college. Um, you telling me that if you're a junior college dropout or you didn't go to college, that you have no value, that you have no worth, that that you um, have no rights, that you don't have the ability to gain uh, clearance, that you're not smart, that you're not intelligent. I mean, he put people down that didn't have a college education. And so the question is, he didn't. He probably didn't realize what he did, but I don't have to jump down his throat in that moment. But today, if that happened, I would go. I would just simply say, "Wait a second. The fact that he dropped out of junior college doesn't determine how smart he is or what sort of position he can rise to in an organization. That's independent of that." Yeah, and I mean, in and, this case, he was brilliant. I mean, that, that to be able to. And I don't mean well, it was a exactly. brilliant choice that he made in leaking. But he was so brilliant that he did get access to all of that and, and be able to do what he did just from an intellectual level. That's a high level of intelligence. Right. But if we sit there and let people say things like that, then, then what happens, you know, it's, it's what we allow in our space we condone. And we live in a society that we're hopeful. I know Todd works hard at this. I know, Mike, you work hard at this. We're trying to make a better world. We're trying to create a better place. And... If we sit around and allow people to say things that aren't right, that aren't truth, 
then we're condoning it. And it's only when we speak up that not only do we fight that way of thinking, that wrong way of thinking, but we also empower the people around us to say, hey, look what he's doing or look what she's doing. You know what? I'm not going to sit on the sidelines. Well, and, um, you know, I agree with you. There's a ripple effect and it starts with ourselves. And then hopefully if we can change ourselves, then that will ripple into the people that we uh, are around. Um, what's interesting uh, about what you just said, Sam, is that, first of all, you're kind of like kicking yourself because you should have said something way back when. The greatest part about this is, you know, the universe is always going to give you another opportunity. So mm-hmm. it sounds like you learned from that experience and you're going to do it differently. But I want to ask you guys a question, I, and this is something that we talked about on our podcast one time, is the the language that works for us is not fight back, but instead it's to stand up. And some people are like, well, that's just semantics. But for us, uh, for, for me, there's a big difference in that. Like in the example I gave to you, I was fighting my friend back. I was fighting him, and I got nowhere with him. But I could have said the same thing, but said it a little bit differently, and I felt like I would have been standing up, mm-hmm. giving him the space. And because some of this is... Just having the ability to engage and listen, because the minute that we're like, we say to ourselves, I'm right, he's wrong, then I feel like that there's less opportunity to connect and and actually have a discussion about what it is that we disagree about. And, you know, that's an ongoing, um, you know, struggle for me, so... Yeah, and as soon as you attack, then they're going to get defensive, and you lose the ability to have, to have a real conversation. Yeah. And... And the example I gave, the conversation really had nothing to do with whether you were a college dropout or not. But it was a, it was something that someone said yeah. that just wasn't right. And but it's like you know, it's not what you say; it's how you say it. And so how you coach your response, how you speak up, whether you're affronting someone or whether you're saying, you know, there's there might be another way of looking at this. You know, that's all going to set up what transpires when you do start uh, speaking your truth. Well, and it's something that we teach. And when we teach how to effectively work with audiences and you have a heckler, or you have somebody challenging you, uh, it's, it's a skill set of trying to raise their bar instead of talk to them as if they're an idiot or lower their bar of intelligence and mm-hmm. talk to them as if they did, probably, what if they didn't mean that? What if they're not aware? What if and talk mm-hmm. from that viewpoint so that it allows you to calm down and say, what if this is a wonderful person? <laughs> what, and, they, and they do not understand the harm they're doing. It doesn't mean they're not responsible for the harm they're doing, but what if we could help them understand and they would not want to do that again? So language mm-hmm. like, um, wow, I'm, I'm sort of surprised you said that, knowing you. Because exactly. as soon as you say knowing you, what are they going to say? Well, what do you mean by that? I'm a jerk. Well, no, I don't think you're a jerk, actually. That's why I'm surprised you would say something like that. Because I mm-hmm. see you as a very caring, wonderful person. Now, what they're most naturally going to go, well, I am. Why, why? What do you mean then? Well, when you said that, are you aware that it came off as this or it could come off as this? Well, that's not what I meant. That's just somebody being hypersensitive. Well, if I was able to pick up on it, so could others. And I don't think you mean to project that. Right, And so now you're having an honest conversation about who you are versus how you're projecting. Uh, and, and as long as I keep the bar as I believe you're up here. Now my hands are up if somebody could see me. Uh, the bar that I believe you're up here. 
we can have a really civilized, loving conversation, empathetic conversation. If at any point I start to believe I'm smarter than you and you're below me, now I'm talking down to you and this is a lecture uh, and it's degrading to you who I'm trying to teach not to be degrading to others. Um, Mike, I think that's wonderful. And, you know, maybe kind of a, a different tool in the toolbox because, you know, hopefully when we do these podcasts, people can have takeaways as a result of listening to us. And what you just said is the same thing that you said to me when we were together last Friday. I said, you know, help me with this when I when I do get triggered. What are some things I could do? And, and that's exactly what you said to me. So thank you for reinforcing that in me. But uh, another way of doing it is asking by asking questions and saying, help me understand why you feel that way. And and that, and tone is everything because you could say, mm-hmm. help me understand why you feel that way. And you can be sarcastic and you're you're boxing them into a corner. But if you can honestly, with 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 a with an intention of curiosity, to say, help me understand why you think that, and, and get curious about it. Curiosity is a word that I've kind of um, took possession of in the last year because it's so it's such a powerful word for me. Is like get curious about why your kids are driving your nuts, or why your friend is is voting for a different guy than you vote for, or why this and why that. Get curious because there's a reason they're not doing it to be a jerk. They're doing because they think it's the right way to be. So curiosity is everything for me. Well, and I think that's all about, I love that, by the way. I love being curious. And I think you said something really key, how you do it. Sam, you mentioned this too. You've got to have sincere interest. Yeah. Otherwise, it looks manipulative, right? Otherwise, I'm using this tool to prove you wrong. I'm using this question to prove you wrong. I need it to be sincere. I need to genuinely know that I might not know how you came across that thought or I might, I might have misunderstood you, truly, absolutely misunderstood you. Uh, and if I ask questions sincerely, I can learn that. And so it allows that to happen. So I love what you said there, Todd, about, well, the, like one I'll ask is, well, that's really interesting. What do you, what do you mean? Can you explain a little more? Yeah. Uh, and so they have to go further in. And if they have to go further in and they hear themselves sounding disrespectful, degrading, or foolish, they have the aha for themselves. That's way more powerful than me trying to say, look at this light I'm shining on you because that's talking down to someone. You want and people them. are intuitive and they will pick up. Even if you say, oh, well, they don't know what my intention is by asking the question, they will pick up on the fact that you truly are not curious or they are. I think that there's an intuition that goes on between two human beings that is communicated um, beyond words. Absolutely. I remember a situation that happened to me a few years ago, similar to you, Sam, group of people out at a table. In this case, it was four, four people identified as men. And one of them makes a comment uh, about a woman and the rest of the table, the other two sort of laugh, but you can see it's an uncomfortable laugh. And I think this is a really important discussion in that what happens is if we say nothing, the person who says it thinks this is a way I get laughter this is fun, and I will continue this behavior, not just tonight, but long term, because this is I've gotten reinforcement, mm-hmm. even even though the other two people at the table might have been completely uncomfortable, and that's why they laughed. What they taught that person, accidentally or not, was continue with this behavior. So we're at this table. He makes this comment about a woman. Uh, they laugh, and I just pause and go, "Well, do you mean that woman or all women?" And he's like, well, oh my gosh, I don't really mean any woman. And I just said, wow, that, that's what I would have thought knowing you. So that's why I was surprised you said it. Uh, and he's like, well, yeah, I, w- I mean, yeah, now that I think about it, I, that was really 
inappropriate. I shouldn't have said it. And and it was just we moved on. Nobody was mad. Everybody was good. And we get in the truck on the drive home with one of the other guys who was at the table. He's not there anymore. The guy who said it's just two of us. And he said, Mike, when he said that, it was so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. But then when you ask that question, it just let the whole table have a breath. Yeah. And just go, okay, we don't we're not gonna just sit and watch that. And it felt safe. It didn't feel dangerous or harmful. So I think the danger we make is thinking everybody is backing this person and I'm alone if I ask this question. Uh, you might not be alone at all. Everybody might support you. Maybe you'll be alone, but don't assume that. So here's the thing. I, I think that's a wonderful point, Mike. Um, it's very easy to be listening to this podcast or the three of us to be talking to each other saying, next time this happens, I'm going to speak up. It's a whole different thing to actually do it in that situation because there's a social fear around it. You don't want to get made fun of. You don't want to upset anybody. So um, it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to actually um, act on those thoughts. But what I was going to say is, you know, if you, if, you don't, if you find yourself in that situation and you don't have the strength to, say, stand up and ask those questions, maybe you can lean into it. And if you can, great, wonderful, go ahead and do that. But maybe if you can't, just don't laugh. Like, you know, be where you are. And if you're like, I don't have the guts to do it because this guy might get mad or whatever, Instead, just don't laugh like you can, you know, there's a whole spectrum on what you could do in that situation. And if you don't have the strength or the confidence to to do what Mike is saying, maybe you just don't laugh. And that's hard to do, too. And yet powerful, right? Imagine if four people at that table, the person makes a comment and nobody laughs. Yeah. And then what you'll find is that's the first step. And once you do that, Todd, you know, which I think is a great first step then you'll, the next time, you might actually say something. And once you say something one time in a situation that justifies saying something, and saying it right and being polite and, and all of that, of course, but once you say something, once you stand up for something that you truly believe and value, you'll never sit down again. And that's the only way we change this world. You know, if in the 50s people didn't stand up and into the early 60s and say, this is wrong, we wouldn't have changed things. You go back to the Civil War. If someone didn't say, this is wrong, we would still have slaves in this country. And so someone has to speak up. And the first time you gain that strength, then what happens is you realize you have more of a voice and you have more of a responsibility. And what's interesting about this podcast is if you're listening to this podcast, there's a bunch, I think, that there's people that want to be mindful and want to play a role in their world and they want to be leaders and they want to stand out and be that change. So, you know, this is, this is our audience. The the people who, um, who want to be self-aware are the people that listen to this podcast. So I, you know, just as a guest on your podcast, Mike, I want to empower the people that are listening that you can do this. It's not easy, but you can do it. And to Sam's point, it's a muscle that you build over time. And maybe the first time you don't laugh and the second time you actually speak up and the third time you had a bad day. So you go back and not laugh. But it's a constant evolution towards the self-awareness, towards the mindfulness. And to have self-compassion. I love this, by the way, that you said that, Todd, because that's so important. And to have the self-compassion to not blame yourself for that person's actions. So in other words, if you did have a bad day and you didn't speak up, but you stayed quiet and don't be like, oh, but I didn't speak up and get mad and angry at yourself. We're not always, always going to do the right thing. 
That there's just not, we are human beings. And so there needs to be self-compassion. There needs to be a look in the mirror and go, okay, you know what? Uh, five years ago, I wouldn't have acknowledged that. I wouldn't even caught that that was messed up. Today I did. That's still, there's still progress going on, even though I didn't speak up. Uh, and being compassionate to yourself so that you're not taking all of the world's pain on your shoulders for not being able to stop it all the time. It's a disservice to this world. You cannot have compassion for others unless you first have it for yourself. You can't have compassion for your children if you don't bless yourself when you screw up. There's no way in the world that you're going to have compassion for your quote-unquote enemy who has a different ideology than you unless you first have compassion with yourself. And that's it always starts with uh, our ability to look in the mirror and to bless what we see. You know, I was just listening to what Todd said, and it makes sense. And we had a brief conversation before, you know, we, we started recording the podcast. And, and in that conversation, I said, you can't give what you don't have. And and I think you're right on target, Todd. It's that, first of all, we can't expect something of someone else that we don't expect of ourselves. And then second of all, um, yeah, we start with ourselves. We have to work on making ourselves better. And in doing that and being better people uh, in the way that we think and in the way that we act, it's, it's then that we're able to have these meaningful conversations with others about maybe some things that they're saying. And um, when we start with ourselves, we build a foundation. Let's take it a different place than we've discussed so far, which is social media. When do you choose to engage and when do you not? Because you're going to have family and friends who post things that you disagree with. And it seems like in social media, when you try to strike up that conversation, it can just become a trolling nightmare. Somebody just engaging in fighting with you. And even when you do everything right, asking empathetic, sincere questions, other people are jumping in now and fighting. Uh, Because there's no face-to-face how do the two of you feel about that? It, do, you, do you let it sit? Do you say something and, and understand that this could go bad, if, but I'm going to do the best I can, even if it goes bad? Um, so I, I guess I could take it in a few different directions. If, you know, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of you know, when somebody's trolling and just you know, trying to be um, you know, uh, combative just for the sake of being combative. And for those people, it's like I, my... I I value my energy more preciously, so I'm not going to engage in somebody who is you know has no interest in in hearing different viewpoints. Um, so I will kind of remove myself from that conversation. Uh, but what's interesting about social media these days is you know I have a Facebook page and I love you know I, I like most of the pages that I happen to identify with their same ideologies, but that's a very dangerous thing. Because then all of a sudden your news feed is based upon only people that you agree with. And I think that is something that is kind of missing a little bit these days. You know, you know, you know, 20, 30 years ago, we didn't have social media and we had to, you know, talk to our neighbors that happened to vote Republican or Democrat, even though I'm a diehard Republican or Democrat. So I think there's a danger in social media. And I guess my... Uh, my advice for the people listening is is listen to the other side. If you usually listen to MSNBC, then listen to Fox just to hear what they have to say or vice versa. I think it's really important to hear different types of viewpoints. And it's kind of tangential off of social media, but I think that's an important uh, thing that needs to be brought up. Yeah, I find that, you know, I put out a lot of comments and thoughts via LinkedIn and uh 
uh, Twitter and very little on Facebook myself. And, and people do respond and comment. I choose to be positive. And so what I put out is positive. And every now and then someone will put a negative response. And, and, and I may respond to that and just try to turn the conversation back to the positive. But you can't have a, in my opinion, my opinion, you can't have a, a meaningful conversation in social media. It's people are willing to type anything that they probably wouldn't be willing to say to your face. And so I'm just not going to engage in that. So you want to sit down and look me in the eye and have a conversation. I'll talk about anything, politics, religion, whatever. I'll talk about it with you and I'll agree to agree or I'll agree to disagree either way, you know, and I'll respect your opinion. But when you try to do that online, it's, there are people out there that are, they, they just want an argument and I'm not going to get engaged in that. Well, and, and I love this because I think we're all really saying very similar messaging, which is we choose to spend our time on the positive, right? So you're not going to engage in that, Sam, because it tends to go negative. Uh, Todd made the same comment. I'm very careful of where I, I do that. And I think what you said there, Sam, is so important for all of us to remember. Facebook does not, especially an atmosphere like Facebook, is rarely going to change someone's viewpoint, they're coming on to share their viewpoint on Facebook is what most people are doing. They're not coming on to say, I'm opening to changing my viewpoint. Now, there are people who do, but a lot of people come on there to spit out or to share their views. And so to use it as a forum of, oh, I'm going to engage and we're going to have a wonderful conversation, it's probably the wrong forum. You're probably It doesn't wrong. work. It doesn't work. I agree with you 100%. I think that's important for all of us to acknowledge. That's not the place. If you want to engage that person and they're a friend of yours – on Facebook, call them and have the conversation, right? And say, exactly. hey, that, that comment you made on there, I was, I was really curious, like, could you teach me more about that? Because I didn't know that aspect about this. Or, you know, where was the source? Because I hadn't heard that part. Uh, because if you ask that same question on Facebook, someone would be like, oh, you're questioning my, my, what I'm saying? No, I'm genuinely interested. But they don't know that because it's just words. Uh, it's typed. It's, there's no tone there's nothing to the the words there's no relationship Correct. there is there is no relationship you know i and i know mike you know this i go into communities and, and put together conversations around accountability accountability in the business sector accountability in the public sector in the community and i sit down with people maybe five or six people and we might have a former mayor we might have a a, a bank president we might have a a convicted felon, a drug addict, all sitting around the table talking and sharing. And when this happens, it's absolutely amazing as people learn about each other and discover each other's challenges and 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 the the tears that are shed and the people that embrace each other and share contact information and look to help each other. And so all of that happens through conversation, through relationship that's face to face. That's not an online relationship. It 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 can't be. It won't ever happen that way. But what you'll find is that when you do have those types of conversations, you create an, a place and an atmosphere where people are open and receptive. And then you have the ability to share an opposing opinion and people will listen to it. And that doesn't mean that they buy into it, but they will hear it. And as long as you are heard and as long as you are hearing, then speaking up, produces a very positive result and you move the bar when that happens hey mike i want to offer to your audience a few resources we kathy and i just did a civil and compassionate you know virtual retreat thing and i used two different ted talks that kind of inspired me 
and uh, maybe you could put it in the show notes for him. Uh, one is called 10 Ways to Have a Better Conversation, and it's all about everything we're talking about. That is brilliant. That is brilliant, by the way. I, I've seen that video. Yeah, she's is good. And then the other one is by a woman named Megan Phelps Roper, and she used to be um, a member of the Westboro Baptist Church, and they are a, a tiny church in Kansas who does some pretty, uh, from my opinion, awful things about showing up at funerals of soldiers and things like that and protesting everything. And she tells a story about how she got her mind changed to leave the church as a result of a conversation they had, she had with different people on Twitter. And she just slowly started leaning into some of the things that people were saying to her. She left the church, and not only did she do that, she's now an advocate for, you know, open expression and things like that. She did a TED Talk. It's absolutely astounding. We'll definitely put that in the show notes. So thank you so much, Todd. Sam, are there books or resources that when it comes to having this viewpoint in life that you find helpful? You know, there was a gentleman I heard once at the National Speaker Association. He actually was playing one night. It turns out this gentleman um, is this incredible musician. And he got, in, he got into a conversation with someone in a club one night. And it was an all-white club. And this gentleman is black. And this white guy came up to him and said, I, I can't believe, I've never heard a black man play like that. And his response was, well, where do you think this kind of music came from? As he was playing jazz and blues. And this guy was in the KKK and he took his, his, he ended up in through conversations taking his robe, his hood. And he's gone on to take dozens of other people's hoods through conversation. Darryl and I'm going to Daryl Davis. Exactly. Exactly. And I would, you know, I don't know the name of the, if you Google Daryl Davis and read his story, it is a powerful story about conversation, about mm. speaking truth, about listening. Um, and yes, he it, actually has would, a documentary now. You can watch it on Netflix called uh, Accidental Cur Courtesy. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yes, That's great. Accidental Courtesy. So he's a, he's a cool guy, and that, it would be well worth reading about, Daryl. Love it. Love it. Well, I want to thank both of you for joining me. It's been an incredible conversation. Absolutely love it. So thank you both, Sam and Todd. Thank you. Thank you. For everyone listening, thank you for joining us, and we'd love to hear your thoughts, what tools, what tidbits uh, you took from today, or any feedback you have whatsoever. You can do that at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Until next time, you may have experience and live mindfulness in your everyday life. We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.